All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there 
if you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month. And you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom chat. And I am just opening up my September calendar. So that link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club. You get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Heather, welcome to the Sober Mom Life. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to have you. I'm so excited. I, I want to hear your story. You said you stopped drinking on one one, but before we talk about sobriety, we're gonna go back. We gotta talk about alcohol. So tell me about tell me about your alcohol story. Well, like almost everybody else that I've listened to on this, um, it all started when I was a teenager. Um, I can remember so my so I'm from Tennessee. My dad's side of the family's from Tennessee. My mom's side's from northern Indiana. And so I grew up like two different churches, two different sets of beliefs, all that. So my whole dad's side of the family was anti-drinking. My grandmother wouldn't even go to restaurants that served alcohol. Like she was no. Oh, wow. Yeah, not having any of that. And then my mom's side was exactly the opposite, you know. So what were the two? I'm so interested. What were the two different religions? Like, what was it? (laughs) So my mom's side was Catholic and my dad's bring from up north. And then my dad's side was Baptist. My dad's stepfather, who was the only grandfather I knew on his side, was a Baptist minister. Okay. Okay. So hardcore. Yes. Hardcore (laughs) fundamentalist. You know, you do not, if you even think about it, I mean, they were even to the point of like their particular church was like, if you dance, that's sinful. So, I mean, it was... Okay. Some footloose uh, situation happening. (laughs) Yeah. Related to that movie in a big way. I bet. Um, (laughs) So very different, you know, but at the same time, my dad did pass away when I was 11. So very much that Catholic drinking side was predominant. And my mom never had I never looked at my mom like my mom had a drinking issue or anything like that. I just remember my grandfather would just like, I mean, he just, you know, sucked down the Pap's blue whip ribbons every day, you know, all day long. And it wasn't like he was, he got stuff done, you know, he was always working on his antique car and they lived on the lake and you boat all day and you ski and all of those things and you're drinking, you drink beer all day long. So of course I experimented. I went up there one summer with my best friend and we got to stay in the basement and that's where the bar was. So of course we tried a little bit of Southern comfort, you know, there were things we tried out. And I just remember that with the next morning after we did that, my grandmother's like, let's go to the donut hut. And I'm like, oh, that sounds awful. (laughs) Grandma, not now, grandma. (laughs) Not now. And so, you know, but beyond that, like I wouldn't say there was, and then the rest of the way through high school, like I never like really hung out with the party crowds or anything like that. And I got married the first time when I was barely 20 and we had not, we did not drink because actually he had just come out of rehab for drugs. But so we stayed away from both drugs and alcohol. I never did drugs, but so we didn't, but that wasn't part of our lives um, until we got married and walked into our little cabin for our honeymoon and there was a big bottle of champagne. They didn't know how old we were. Yeah. <laughs> so we 
partook. And then that just became like a normal part of us. But I would say like fast forward, I would say I had a pretty quote unquote, and I agree with you on like, I know, I think I know your, like your thoughts on are there normal drinkers and that sort of thing. But I mean, I didn't have, I didn't struggle with it and I didn't feel badly about it, you know, for years and years and years. So fast forward, 10 years ago, my mom passed away. My mom and I were super duper close. She was my best friend in the, the whole world. You know, she had been with me through, you know, two marriages, two divorces. My sons are seven years apart. So my oldest is 22. My youngest is 15. And you know, she had been with me through everything. When she passed, it was like a, because mm. she had struggled with breast cancer for 10 years leading up to her passing. And we ran a business together. I mean, oh. we literally did everything together. So, yeah. and I'm an only child. So she really, really was just us growing up, you know, after my dad passed. So I think that it went into high, I think my drinking went into high gear when, after she died. Yeah. Um, I did sell the business two years later and started kind of searching for myself finally after all of these years, because I literally had worked the family business since I was 12. Even graduated from college and came out with an English degree I did nothing with and, <laughs> and then, you know, stayed in the business. So yeah, when she passed, it was pretty huge. And I don't think I'd ever felt more alone. Oh, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to get emotional. <laughs> you can, you can get emotional. We welcome it. But man, I mean, hearing you describe it, you know, it makes me think about my relationship with my mom. And oh, yeah. And that idea that like, it's the biggest loss that you'd ever had, probably. And that that's like, how do you live without that person? Right? Right. And I hear you and your mom. And it's just like, it gives me goosebumps. It really does. Because I'm like, oh my gosh, they are so much like my mom and I were. And when you guys get all lovey-dovey and you're like, oh, and I, and I just love that. I'm like, oh, I can just feel it, you know. So it's actually comforting. Oh, good. Yeah. But I would say, so for that 10 years, like it'll be 10 years at the end of this month, actually, that she passed. Yeah. And I would say... Um, I know how <laughs> this format, I guess, goes, but like in that at 2019, then I had been like divorced for seven years and that my second marriage, he had an addiction to pills that he was not prescribed. <laughs> and it was, it was rough. It was really rough um, on us as a family, financially. Oh my gosh, we lost the house. We lost the car. He lost his job. He stole from my oldest kid's savings account. I mean, it was... Oh, man. I stole from like everybody in my family. It was so bad. And so, you know, I survived all of that. I think a lot of that because I was did lean on my mom. I leaned on my faith and, you know, just kind of like immersed myself in, in my boys and being a mom along with work. But mostly I was just very concerned about them. And sometimes, you know, um, I was definitely raised marriage vows are forever, for better, for worse and all that. But at some point you have to say, okay, <laughs> is this hurting my family or helping my family? And it was definitely hurting my family. I remember just a for instance, it was my oldest son's 10th birthday. We had kids over. They were all upstairs, you know, passed out at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock the next morning on a Saturday. And I had gone to bed that night and had put like $60 in cash in my bra as I was used to doing, just so he wouldn't take it. Yeah. And I woke up the next morning and I was going to go in the kitchen and start making breakfast for the boys and everything. And I realized I was out of milk and I was like, okay, I'm going to go get my purse. So I came into my closet to get my purse. And my then husband was like passed out on my closet floor with his hand literally in my purse. 
Oh man. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was rough. So it's not like I hadn't seen what, you know, addiction can do and and all of that and I think you do get it in that mindset of, well, I'm not that bad. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, or, and and I was never that bad ever, but you know, the point is is that I was always hyper aware of this is a possibility. You know, I don't think I knew how toxic, you know, alcohol was because again, like you don't, it's just so accepted and it's everywhere. And I always used to even say to my husband that had the pill problem, I said, I think it would be harder to be an alcoholic because it's literally everywhere, you know, but he was never, you know, never that into alcohol. It was just medicine. So anyway, fast forward to 2019, I was in a relationship I'd been in for like five years and he mentioned to me, I'm going to do dry July. He never asked me to do it. Okay. But at that point, I remember thinking, I have wanted to try to go and be completely alcohol free for a while. Like mm. I, I realized when he said that to me, I have been experiencing so much shame and questioning and questioning my relationship with alcohol. And I didn't, it's like when he said it, it almost was like an invitation, even though he said over and over again, no, 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 you don't have to do it with me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I want to, you know? And um, so that got me started. So I did that dry July and went 30 days, read Annie Grace's book and did the alcohol experiment, all of that. So that was way back in 2019. Yeah. So you went way in. You were like, I'm doing dry July and I'm doing. That's so interesting, too. I, I think the silently questioning and the shame and it's always silent, right? It is. And so like he wasn't saying it. So you would join him and he didn't know anything about how you felt about your relationship with alcohol. But it's always that silent questioning. And that's interesting that you you looked at that as an invitation. Yeah, I never had spoken anything about being concerned or anything. And and my kids had never been, acted like it was weird if I drank or whatever. I mean, it was just a thing. And and of course, like everybody else, like at that point when I did start back again, I mean, and I did that whole like, okay, it's a countdown because that's what you do. It was 30 days till I can drink again. Yeah. You have to remove that. And I know, and I agree with you too, on the whole, like, you never say never about anything, but it's like the thing that was different about this time compared to all the other times, because Dry July was just my first attempt, of course, and there were several attempts at moderation, every form of it known to man, I tried. What? Okay, wait, let's talk about that, because, you know, this is what I always find <laughs> super interesting. And I do think that this... It's such an interesting thing when we look back on our journeys and we think like, oh, why did I waste so much time trying to moderate or, you know, like from where you sit now, but it's such an essential part of it because I think this idea of we're just going to stop it and kind of like not look back and not continue to try to control it. I think that is so rare. I think this idea that, okay, Sure. Like I'm going to do dry July. Look at that. I stopped for 30 days. Nothing to see here. Now I know there's not a quote unquote problem. Cool. Ship shape. And now I'm going to allow it into my life in an orderly fashion. I'm going to do this moderation dance, right? Oh, yeah. Because like, why wouldn't we think that? Because that's what we're taught. And so what were your moderation rules? Oh, my gosh. Jeez. I mean, I definitely did the whole I'm just going to drink on the weekends. 
But then, oh my gosh, this event came up and it's Wednesday and it's a it's a networking group or whatever it is. And everybody's going to be drinking. Okay, I'll just have a, a glass of Chardonnay. Okay, maybe two. Okay, you know, it was like that. And then it went from that to, okay, no, no, no. And I kept trying that, right? Kept trying the whole just weekends thing. Sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. And then, you know, I would set these limits. You can have three glasses of wine. You can have three bottles of beer, whatever it is. But you have to drink the water in between. Yeah. You have to eat first. And I mean, all the, and, and it didn't matter because sometimes it would work. Yeah. That's the thing. That is the thing. Like yeah. people think that moderation is hell because it doesn't work. I'm like, no, moderation is hell because sometimes it works. Like that is what keeps us. Yes. We're like, oh, got it. Now I figured out this way to do it. I'm drinking the correct way. And then, you know, your guard is let down a little bit. And now you're like, oh, okay, we're all good. And then the alcohol just does its thing. Your willpower runs out as it does. Right. And then, yes. oh, yes. Yes. It's that false sense of power. You know, you think all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I've totally got this under control. I've got the, all the willpower in the whole wide world. I've got this thing. And the second you start feeling super confident about that, you're like, oh, I drank a bottle. Right, right. <laughs> the whole bottle. And the thing that the, the whole trick and the whole lie of it is that we think then it's something in us. And it was like, shit, I failed. Like I failed at this moderation thing, which P.S. We were never made to moderate a highly addictive substance. That's just like scientifically not how it works. I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. And also, so then we feel like it's a weakness in us. Like I did something wrong. Let me see how I can do this right next time. And it's that shame and it's that secret doubting ourselves and doubting our relationship with alcohol silently. Like it's that vicious cycle that is just hell on earth. It is. And like so many other people, so many other moms, like I didn't know anybody that was sober. You know, like, yes, I have a whole half of my family that still does not drink, but I'm not, I've not been super close to them in years and years and years. So there wasn't like that, you know, open for me. And I definitely was not going to do AA, pills in the sand, still in the same way, like not doing it. And I had, oddly enough, I have been to AA, but when I was 18 and I was getting ready to marry my first husband, who I said had been to rehab. Yeah. And at the time, like when I was that age, like for a couple of years, I had an eating disorder. So I was bulimic. And I do remember feeling like there were parts of the meeting that spoke to me as someone with a compulsion, not an addiction, but a compulsion. And so that's good. And I value that. But it was just definitely like once I felt like, okay, I'm just going to kick alcohol out of my life. It's never been like I'm an alcoholic. Okay. So funny thing about that is my boyfriend of a year and a half is an addiction therapist. <laughs> oh, interesting. He does drink and he definitely comes from that, you know, family of like big drinkers and everything up closer to where you're at. They're all, they're all in Indiana and Michigan and all that. Yeah. And so it's just, that's the culture. So when I told him and just like everybody else too, like there's so many things I can relate to. When I decided, I think it was I don't know, somewhere between Thanksgiving and Christmas this past year, I was like, I feel bad all the time. Like 
first of all, I'm 46. I am, I'm not a young girl. <laughs> like I've raised one kid already and one kid's almost got one foot out the door. He's going to start driving in September. Yeah. And so, you know, I was just like, I don't physically feel good anymore. And I have had elevated liver enzymes since 10 years ago when my mom passed that I found out about when I was getting life insurance. However, I went to a doctor. He had me not drink alcohol for 30 days and it didn't change anything. Okay. And so he said, okay, it's not about alcohol. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, so stop eating fast food. And I'm like, yeah, I've not eaten fast food. And I don't know the last time I ate fat. And I mean, so it was just weird. You know, I'd be interested to see those numbers now. I know. I wonder. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just got to the point where physically I felt awful and the guilt and the shame were eating me alive. The anxiety was eating me alive and I was depressed. I mean, I was, I couldn't count on myself for anything. Oh, you know oh, what I mean? Yes, yes. I couldn't. I, I just, and who do you have left if you've not got yourself? And so it was like, I have to do this because, you know, like I have to find myself again. Yeah. I was at the point where I didn't know what I liked, what I wanted, you know, like all the things were just, a, it was a fog. Yes. Did you tie that to alcohol? Did you tie all of these like emotions like to alcohol? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Okay. Just because I would notice even if I went a few days that I would physically feel better and that I would have less anxiety. I didn't know that scientifically it causes anxiety at that point. So like when I started thinking about you know, when I was got really sober curious, and we'll say that was around Thanksgiving or maybe a little earlier, even like early November or something like that. I started looking everywhere for all the Quitlet, all the podcasts. Yeah. The very first podcast was um, was Jillian's, was Sober Powered. And I mean, I'm like you, like I am not a scientific, my degree is in English literature. I am not a sciencey person. We all need Jill in our lives. We do. I'm like, Jill, just give me 20 minutes of your science. Like it's palatable. I can understand it in 20 minutes. Like give me that. And then, yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. And I mean, I just binged. Like I would be at work with earbuds in all day long. I did something, I did, I was an inventory manager. So I did a lot of physical work and she was in my ears all day, every day. For the entire month of November, the entire month of December. And what a sweet little voice to have in your ears, I right? Know. She's like so, I love Jill. So cute. She's so cute. Oh my gosh. And I and at the time, like I had I think it was right before Christmas, I did go a week without drinking. And I remember messaging her, like DMing her on Instagram and being like, I can't deal with this lack I can't deal with this sleeplessness. This insomnia is not cool. I have oh my gosh, it's awful. What do I do for it? You know, like I wanted her answers on everything because I'm like, well, she's a scientist. She knows this stuff. She's like Yoda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so she gave me some tips, but then, I mean, it was so cool because like it was like immediate almost that she answered. And I think that's just awesome. But I, the, the science really did make sense to me. And I think that then there was no way of like disputing, okay, alcohol is making my life hell. Like, that's what's happening here. And if I remove that, you know, which has been the unthinkable, <laughs> of, I've never had thought of it. Right. You know, like I had thought of it, but I'm like, God, that would be too hard. And what do I tell people? It just doesn't seem like realistic, right? No. I mean, you would think it was someone asking you to stop brushing your teeth every day or, <laughs> right? you know what I mean? Like, or sleeping at night or all these things that we have to, no, alcohol is not required. 
It's not. It's not a requirement. Right. Guess what? You can remove it from your life and actually have a life. Like a better one. It's it's amazing. A much better, better life. So yes. yeah, January 1st, it was funny. I was, we were, my boyfriend and I and his son, teenager, um, we were on our way to Indiana. Other weird thing, his brother had passed of of alcoholism. I mean, he had oh, no. cirrhosis, liver disease, everything. Mm-hmm. And he passed last summer. Mm. I also think that that went into my little sober curious toolbox as another reason to stop. And so on our way to his brother's celebration of life up in Indiana, and that was a nice eight, nine hour drive. I just randomly said to him, which I had been planning, but I just finally said to him, oh, by the way, I've decided that I'm giving up alcohol and I'm stopping. Like my first day of sobriety will be January 1st. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah. And he knew that there were times I definitely blacked out, but not often at all. And and I'm a small person, like I'm 4'11". I'm a very petite girl. Oh, you are? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, even drinking, like I didn't have a super high tolerance. But I remember there was one time I went over to his place and we were going to go out. Well, I had pre-gamed and I had drank like two glasses of wine, maybe even three. Then drove across town. Yeah, not proud of this. Then drove across town, at least by myself and not with kids, and got there and acted like I was fine and had like a, another drink while I was waiting on him. And then we went out and I don't remember. I literally don't remember. Like I walked all the way up these stairs to the roof bar and had like a, a can of like hard seltzer and I fell when I was going back down the stairs. Don't remember. I don't remember any of it. Yeah. I just know that I woke up at like three o'clock in the morning on his floor of his living room, covered up with a blanket with his cat sitting on me sleeping. And I turned and looked and he was on the couch, like watching over me, making sure I was okay. And I was like, this is awful. I don't like this at all. I'm so glad I can trust him. And I was with someone who would take care of me. But that could have happened in any other scenario and that would not have been good, you know? Yeah, I think most women listening to this, like I can feel that, like I can just, I've been there, you know, I know exactly that feeling of waking up and being like, holy shit, piecing it together, trying to piece it together. Like, oh God, that's the not counting on yourself thing that it just like chips away, right? It does. Yeah. And I would say that was last spring to summer that that happened. So that was already, and I had told him during that time, like, I was like, I've got to cut back. And again, <laughs> moderate, moderate. That should be a t-shirt. Moderate, moderate. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that in the shower this morning. That's so funny. I have on a shirt right now. You can't see it, but well, it's under my sweatshirt and it says Namaste Sober, you know. Perfect. Yeah, I got my first two little sobriety shirts. <laughs> so I I tell him this and he's he is like, you cannot rattle this man. Like he deals with people that are combative every single day. Your mom's probably that way too. Like they just get like super calm. Totally. In the face of yeah, the storm. Chaos, yep. you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> So he just was like, he's like, oh, okay. He's like, you mean forever? And I was like, that's the goal. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And he goes, well, you know, I'm not going to stop. And I said, wouldn't ask you to. It's not, it's not my journey. That's your journey, you know? And, and I already knew, like I knew, and again, this is my boyfriend, not my husband. So, you know, but 
I can see a future with him. And he's the first person I've been able to do that with in 12 years. So that's big. So I kind of made a deal with myself that, you know, all that matters is this little sobriety baby, right? And I'm I'm going to devote myself to that as much as I d- did devote myself to my kids. And I just, I'm going to grow that and I'm going to protect that. And if my boyfriend and I don't work out because of it, then it is what it is. Because I know we dated five years ago and we were friends for five years, saw each other through all these other relationships, then came back together. So I already knew that he had said to me multiple times before, like he would never date a girl that was sober. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And I already knew that. But I was like, you know what? I don't care. Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) This is more important than that. And if he really does love me like he says he does, then he'll adapt. Yeah. And I'll just have to set boundaries and there will be, you know, lots of talk. And it's it's still an ongoing discussion, you know, almost seven months later. And it's going to continue to be. And that's fine because this is my journey and it's not his. And I mean, yes, I drink. He's a beer drinker. I drank beer, but like wine was more my thing. Like that's what really got its claws into me. Let's put it that way. But I'm I'm aware enough and educated now enough to know that it doesn't matter. It's not like I can, because I've tried that in moderation too, right? Oh, I'm just going to drink wine or I'm just going to drink beer or I'm just going to, you know. Yeah, beer is better. Like, yeah. Beer's fine. It's just like soda. It's like soda with a little bit of alcohol and it's fine. Yeah. But no, so I knew I kind of had to do all or nothing. I had to be a teetotaler or it wasn't going to work, you know? Yeah. Uh, It wasn't going to take. And so I knew though that once I said that out loud to him. Yeah. How did that feel saying it? And even when when he said, you know, with that question that they always have is like, what do you mean like forever? For And yeah. And so and you're like, yeah, that's the plan. I felt empowered Mm. and I felt scared at the same time because I was like, I mean, I haven't been able to count on myself in years. Mm. Can I? Can I really do this? You know, but I said, uh, I thought, well, no, if I'm going to do it, this is how it starts. Accountability not just with myself, because everything was by myself. I was not a drink all day or hide and drink person. But at the same time, like, I do remember, um, you know, like in the last year leading up to, you know, sobriety, my kid that is now 15, that was 14 at the time was like, he would say, you know, little things here and there. He would say like, mom, you're acting funny you know, how much wine did you have? You know, he would say that he was my only and he's still that he's that kind of personality. He's like the one that drags me to the gym some days when I don't want to go. I mean, he's little Mr. Life Coach at 15. But he's seen a lot. You know, he saw a lot with his dad. There's a lot more that went down with his dad after our divorce. But I mean, he's had to see so much that it was a huge part of why I wanted to get sober was to be this mom for him. You know what I mean? Because he's like, been, well, both of my boys have been like the answer to my prayers and all of that. And so just on top of that, I mean, I need to do this for them and for me. And my mom, my my dad died when he was 44. My mom, when she was 64, but got diagnosed at 54. I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't want a short life. I want to be able to see my kids grow up. I want grandkids, all the things, you know, and I want to be here for all of it. I want to have the energy for all of it. And I don't want to feel like shit all the time. <laughs> and I did. I felt like shit all the time. So yeah, it's been a journey. So since I got sober on January 1st, 
I've continued to read all the Quitlet, listen to all the podcasts. You know, it's been awesome. And I unfortunately have still not gotten into therapy yet. Um, so this has all been my therapy. I journal like crazy because I do love to write. And I still don't have like real life people. Like I've met people in our Facebook group, you know, that we've messaged and become actual friends on Facebook and stuff like that. So it's growing a little bit, you know, my little sober universe. And I want to continue to grow that. And it's probably one of the reasons, too, I wanted to come on. But really, I want to come on because I have never told my story. So oh. this is the first time. And yeah. I so. mean, <laughs> look at you. Like, I love this story. And I do want to say like therapy and the village and the community, that will come. You know what I mean? And I, I think a lot of people... I don't know, like kind of write it off like, well, I mean, I'm doing the work, but I'm not in therapy. Like that's, you're doing the work. Like therapy is just a part of it. And and that comes, I'm like in and out of therapy. I'm not in therapy right now, but I'm still, you know, like it's all a work in progress. And so you are well on your way and, and you just seem so self-assured and confident. And so this idea that before you couldn't count on yourself and now you really can, like I, you could just see it. Like, I can see that. Well, and the crazy thing, too, Suzanne, is that since I got sober, I was like two weeks into my journey and I got a job offer that I would have never gotten before. And it was making like $30,000 more a year. Oh, my gosh. So I have changed jobs. So changed my career path entirely, went to a different organization. Wow. My son has a serious girlfriend. They've got their place together now. I've got my 15-year-old. He's done travel ball, which I've always wanted to be able to do, couldn't afford to do before. Now, magically, I can. Um, not just the job, but like, gosh, all the... And it's not even money. Like, it's time. And I don't think people get that. You lose whole days of your life being hung over, you know? Oh, yes. And planning for that, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Life is so short, you know? So true. And, and not only the hangover part, but the, while we're drinking, we lose time, right? Yes. Oh, hours. Yes, hours. And, and that I know some women struggle with that. Like, oh, wow, I have a lot of time. Like, I'm bored now that I'm sober. I'm like, isn't that great? Like, you get to figure out, like, what will you do with this, you know, wild and precious life? Like, how amazing is that, that we get to figure out what we want to do and how we want to spend our time? and what we want our lives to be. Yeah, because otherwise we're just walking around like a bunch of zombies in an alcohol fog. Yes. And that's not what we were put here to do. You know what I mean? Even if that's what they want, you guys, because I'm starting to think that's what they want. That's what the patriarchy wants. Me too. Right? It's starting to feel, I mean, I've kind of always felt like that, but it's just like, I probably will say this 8,000 times, but I just don't think there's anything more powerful than a sober woman. I just don't think there is. A hundred percent. Because we know what we want. We know what we need. And we're just so fucking badass that we're going to go out and get it. And and like, that's just, <laughs> that's right. great. yeah. 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 Nothing standing in our way. Because once we remove that big, huge, fat, like shame obstacle in our life, that is alcohol, you know, then it's like, oh my God, the possibilities are literally endless. And I know it sounds so cliche. And I was the one in November rolling my eyes, listening to other people on podcasts say this, but it's the honest to God's truth. And yeah, I drank the Kool-Aid, the sober Kool-Aid. And you know what? It's good for me. I'm good. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm aware and I'm present and I'm able to like make plans and actually see a future. 
you know, it's a, it's incredible. And I'm really, really thankful. Like I hear a lot of other moms say, oh, I, I wish I would have done this when my kids were little. And of course, I wish I would have done this when my kids were little. The truth is that it I really was fine. <laughs> like, I don't think that I was bad when they were little. It's just it was a slippery slope. It's just that mine took a long time to really kick in. And I fortunately have a safe place to land, right? Because all of this universe is out there now. And I am i don't think it's been out there super long. And so, you know, where did other people go? Well, they had to go to, well, my God, it's like, it feels like a punishment. No, you know, I want to go someplace where there's not shame and there's not, I need to hide my identity or hide my journey because that is what has kept us all down for so long. And I, I don't want to be part of that. Like, let's just bring it up to the surface and say it like it is, you know. It's this awful chemical that we've been taught is totally fine for us and healthy. And then now it's okay. It's not. Never mind. <laughs> you know, you know, I still I still will say I don't have much of a social life left right now. But the people that we do hang out with do know and they don't give me any kind of grief about it. It's just that like if you're in a room full of people that are drinking and then you just kind of see the energy shift and you see people start slurring and then floppiness and all of that, I just get really uncomfortable and I feel like I got to leave. And that's the beauty of, even though my boyfriend drinks, the beauty of that is like he went to a work event with me um, at my old job. So this was very early on in my sobriety. And it got to the point of the night where absolutely everybody, except for like one other person that I worked with, was just gone, mm, you know, and yeah. and I looked at my boyfriend and, and who was drinking and I said, I can't do it. I got to go. And he's like, let's go, babe. And I was like, all right, good. You know, because it's so important that you do have those boundaries and you do know your limits. Yeah. And the social circle, too. I mean, there is an outgrowing period, right? And it's like we're outgrowing alcohol. And then there are some people in our lives that we're outgrowing, too. And it just takes a while. It just all I, I think for sure in the first year of sobriety, it feels lonely. And you feel like, oh, my God, I'm never going to have that again. And feelings are not facts. And that's just not true. That's right. That's you true. will. And you just way leads on to way and you make connections and your community grows. And I always say never discount that that online community or that online best friend who you've never met, you know, like that's that counts. Right. Exactly. Like, and that leads on to something else. And yeah, so the social part, there are growing pains, but it'll come. It'll come for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so proud of you. And you're such a, yeah, you're such a ray of sunshine. You come on here and look at your smile and like you, you could just tell that you're radiating joy and peace. And I, I love it. Thank you. This is exactly why I wanted to talk to women like you to show everybody that there's more than hope in sobriety. There's life and there's yes, and there's light and there's just mm -hmm. alcohol is just getting in the way of all of that. And when you can see freedom beyond it, it's magic. It is magic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Heather, thank you for sharing your story. Yes. Thank you for having me on. I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye.
I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-tos for navigating all the things sober, from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories, and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.